0: Good morning, everyone. What a delight it is to be gathered together in the Lord's house again, to be able to set our hearts and minds towards the God, the God of our fathers, the God of our great-grandfathers, and the God of our children as well. What a joy it is to be gathered together. Very warm welcome to all of you. Special welcome to any visitors with us today. Extra special welcome to Reese Lamont, who's traveled all the way from the South Island just for us and because he happens to be flying out this week. But it's great to have you here, brother. Reese will be opening up the Word for us tonight and preaching, so I would encourage you to come and join in for that and encourage him and support him as he preaches the Word for us. A couple of brief announcements. Firstly, I am away as of Monday on holiday, so if you do need anything, please do, do hesitate to contact me. Contact your elders instead. Uh, or Lynn, if it's an emergency, please please do still contact me. And if you're not sure, ask Lynn or an elder or something and be like, should I ask Logan about this? Um, but I'm, I'm always around if something happens. But we'll be away for four weeks, and so please pray for us, and we will be praying for you as we always do. I always, As soon as we go away, I say to Josella, can we go back yet? Uh, can we go back? I want to be back at my own church. It's nice visiting other churches, but there's nothing like being home, right? Being in your own church uh dan shallard is going away for six months on holiday so we will pray for him later in the service but please be in prayer for him as he goes to europe and does some tripping around he's going to bring back lots of great photos for us all to see no pressure dan and so the lord bless you daniel we pray that you have a really blessed time and that you'd find fellow believers that you might encourage and be encouraged by lastly this is jeff and Jaya's last sunday uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, Jeff and Jaya, well now's your opportunity, What's well, your last opportunity really, but Jeff and Jaya have been here for about five, five and a half years or something now. Um, Jeff came up here to study and somehow found his way here and it's been a great joy to have you both among us. It's been a great encouragement to myself to know you and to be known by you. It's been a blessing for us as a church to have the word ministered by you, Jeff. Uh, you have been in our prayers much, both of you have. Uh, It's been a delight, Jaya, seeing you flourishing in the Lord, and in spite of particular challenges and afflictions, pursuing God and seeking to be an encouragement to everyone around you. And so you will continue to be in our prayers. Um, It it feels like when, I I don't know what it's like when a kid leaves home, but this is what I feel like when Jeff and Jaya, I feel like, is it okay to let them go at this point, you know, maybe just another year, Uh, but I'd like to invite Jeff and Jaya and they're going to say a few words and then I will pray for them.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks, Logan. Really appreciate that. Uh, We just really wanted to say a big thank you to all of you for being our family while we've been here, being uh, home to us. It's been just a great time, and we've felt really blessed, um, I think, by Pastor Logan and the rest of the elders and key people, but also by every single one of you. it's such a great privilege to be able to come here Sunday by Sunday and gather with the Lord's people and sing praises to him, to be in this congregation of people that uh, God has redeemed out of the world and are testimonies of his grace. Um, So you've been a blessing and an encouragement to us and we hope that we have been a blessing to you as well. Um, We have I very mixed feelings at this time, like yeah, we're sad to go. There are lots of people and things that we'll miss about Auckland, but I guess we're also excited to see where God is, is leading us and what he has in store. Um, Dunedin has some cool things too. Apparently the countdowns have rats, so we'll be <laughs> looking out for that. Um, but, of course, we're we're most excited to see what are the, the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Um, if you're interested also to find out with us what those will be, um, we do have a, an email newsletter that we send out very infrequently, um, which we have, of course, been using to gossip about all of you to the people down south, and now we can use to gossip about the people down south to all of you. No, obviously we don't do that. But um, if you would like to to sign up to that um, and hear about what we get up to, uh, I think yeah, we've got a, a little thing you can put your email address and name on, and clipboard uh, down the back. yeah, clipboard down the back. Or come and see us and. Um, you might get an email in the next five years. Um, yeah, so yes, we just wanted to to give you our thanks and also uh, really leave you with, with our blessing as well. We will continue to pray for you too. And uh, just wanted to say God be with you till we meet again. Um, we're, we're fairly sure, I suppose, reasonably confident that we will be back here at least to visit in the future. Um, but even in, if not, you know, if, if we're united with Christ... We will see each other again. Um, even the worst of case scenarios uh, is merely a temporary goodbye. So, thanks.
0: Hey, don't run off you I've got to pray for you first. Let, let's give thanks. Come, come here so I can grab a hold bunch you. There we you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you join together strangers and you make them a family. And we thank you for Jeff and Jai. We thank you for the way that they have loved us and ministered to us and encouraged us in the last five years. We thank you that we've been able to be a blessing to them. And we ask that you would watch over them as they go forward from here. We know that by your providence, you have called them elsewhere. And so we ask that you would bless them and keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, that you would lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All the best, guys. Well, brothers and sisters, we have gathered here today to worship the one true living God. And so as we come into God's presence, I'd like to invite you to stand with me, please, if you're able. We come into the Lord's presence And the Lord, who is high and lifted up, addresses us, his people, and calls us to worship with the following words. Bless the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And the people of God said, let's pray. Father in heaven, you have Gathered us together as your people this day. Lord, you have set your face upon us. You have called us your children. You have made us new. You have justified us. You have adopted us. And so as we come to you now, we pray that you would bless us in the beloved. Bless us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us by your Holy Spirit to worship you with whole hearts. That, Lord, we wouldn't just go through the motions, we wouldn't just follow tradition, but, Lord, we would lift up our very hearts to you today, and we would delight in you, and that you would be pleased to delight in us. Help us to behold Christ in his glory today, Father, and would you pour out your Spirit upon us with power, that we might know that you are among your people, that outsiders, as it says in Corinthians, might come in and fall down because God is among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come, brothers and sisters, let us worship God with the words of yet not I, but through Christ in me. we're going to turn through to god's word today through to the book of psalms through to psalm 106 if you're a visitor each sunday morning we love to just read our way through the scriptures through the psalms we find ourselves in psalm 106 Uh, last week We saw in Psalm 105 the story of God's people being remembered, and Psalm 106 picks up that same theme and walks forward. Last time it looked at the wonders of God among his people, and now it reflects upon the sinfulness of God's people. And so Psalm 106 says the following. This is God's word. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord, or declare all His praise? Blessed be they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, when You show favor to Your people. Help me when You save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of Your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. "'Yet he saved them for his name's sake, "'that he might make known his mighty power. "'He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, "'and he led them through the deep as through a desert, "'and he saved them from the hand of the foe "'and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. "'And the waters covered their adversaries. "'Not one of them was left. "'Then they believed his words. "'They sang his praise, but they soon forgot his works.' They did not wait for his counsel, but they had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore he said he would destroy them, had not Moses his chosen one stood in the breach before him, to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents, and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness. And would make their offspring fall among the nations, scattering them among the lands. Then they yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor, and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed. And it was counted to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. They angered him at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account. For they made his spirit bitter, and he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the people as the Lord commanded them, but they they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons And their daughters to the demons, they poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the land of the nations So that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection. Under their power, many times he delivered them. But they they were rebellious in their purposes, and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant, And relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, nothing has changed. We at times can be just as rebellious. We are no different than Israel. We wander far from the Lord at times. And yet God has not changed either. And so the same God who would remember the covenant then continues to remember the covenant now. And so we can come to him. We can acknowledge our sins and have them washed away. And so let's do that. Let's have a time of silent prayer and confess our sin personally to the Lord. And I'll close us after a suitable
2: time. Let's pray.
0: Father in heaven, we thank you that your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you that you promise to take away our sin if we call upon the name of the Lord. And so, this morning, Lord, we ask you to wash our consciences, cleanse our hearts, and help us to know the comfort that comes from the blood of Christ. Assure us of our salvation and set us free that we might worship you with a whole heart, Lord. Help us to strive for holiness and to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord promises to take away your sin. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Believe the promise of God and know that your sins are atoned for. And let us stand and sing of that assurance with the words of living water. Let's stand and sing. We have the joy this morning of welcoming Dee and Steph into membership by profession of faith and baptism, which is always a delight to see two young people come to know the Lord, to fear the Lord, to worship the Lord, to become one of his children, to accept all of the promises that are given in the covenant, to lay hold of those things themselves, and so enter into the household of God. It's a joy for us all to be able to to see baptism again, and by faith to make use of our own baptisms. Your baptism isn't just applicable to you just once, but every time you remember it, every time you see a baptism, by faith you improve upon it again, and you make use of it, the confession says. You grow in it. As you walk with the Lord. And so, this is an opportunity for every single one of us to reflect upon what we have received. And for those of us that have not professed faith in the Lord, who have not been baptized, who do not walk with the Lord, this is an opportunity for us to consider where it is that we will go to have our sins washed away. It's an opportunity for all of us who have families to consider the glory of the covenant of grace from that God who makes promises, not just to us, but to our offspring, who welcomes them as Jesus did when he welcomed the little children upon his knees. And so I'd like to invite Dee and Steph to come to the front and join me up here. Move this out of the way so everyone can see them, hopefully not lash over Paul's music stand. Right there. There we go. Well, Dee and Steph, praise the Lord. For those that don't know, it was about six months ago, I think, that Dee was like, hey, can I get baptized? And we were like, hey, that's a great idea. And we were just about to do it. And then Steph was like, hey, can I join in too? And then Dee ended up in hospital. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness that you both stand here six months later. It's because of God's goodness that you are here. And so in keeping with Romans 10, which says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And so I would ask you both to publicly profess your faith to God, but also before these people, as we witness you claiming the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. And i would ask you to respond to the following questions. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner in the sight of God, justly deserving the wrath of God, and without hope except in His sovereign mercy? Do you repent of your sins and your sinfulness and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God Savior of sinners, loving and trusting him alone as the one who saves you from your sins and provides you with his perfect righteousness. Do you believe that the Bible is the complete word of God, perfectly revealing Christ, his redemption, and all things necessary for his people? Do you promise In humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit, to strive with all your might to live as becomes a follower of Christ, do you promise to give yourself wholeheartedly to the church of Christ, to submit yourself to its authority and discipline, and to exercise your gifts for its purity, peace, and praise? Congregation, would you please stand? I would ask you also, if you are members of this church or a part of this family, to make oaths and vows to these two people and before the Lord. I'd ask you to respond to the following three questions with the words on the screen. Do you promise to receive Dee and Steph in Christ? Do you promise to love, encourage, and support them by teaching and living out the gospel? Do you promise to give them the strong support of God's family in fellowship Prayer and service. People of God, what is your answer? We do. Joyfully
2: we receive you. Join with us in God through devotion to him, on him, in him,
0: Amen, and God may God give you the strength to do so. Please be seated. Well, Dee and Steph, God's covenantal promise to be your God. And the God of your offspring comes to both adults and children alike. It is a promise with a visible sign that points to the reality of the blessings that God gives us. And it points to five things. It is a sign of your need to be washed by the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And the promise of salvation that comes to you in the gospel. It is a seal by which you are united to Christ and joined to the body of Christ by God's grace through the Holy Spirit. It is a means by which you are nourished and strengthened to live for God in this life. It is a pledge by which you can be assured of God's goodness, grace, and fatherly care. And it is a call to live faithfully as one who has been set apart by God for himself. And as we come to witness this sacrament and receive it, let us pray that God might cause a blessing to be upon it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that indeed you are with us, that you are among your people, and that you are pleased to bless us in the covenant of grace that you give us outward signs, outward pictures that confirm the promises that you give us in your word. And so we pray now, Lord, that as we baptize Daniela and Stephanie, that, Lord, you would cause this simple water by your Holy Spirit to apply all the benefits of the covenant that, Lord, they might grow in grace and that each and every one of us, by faith, may lay hold of the promises again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, can I ask you both to kneel here, side by side? Daniela Papenfuss, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Stephanie Papenfuss, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise. And can I ask the elders to please come forward and welcome them into the church on behalf of the congregation? an exhortation for you, and then Paul is going to pray for you. Dean and Steph hear the exhortation of God from First Chronicles 28 verse 9. "My dear sisters, know the God of your Father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek Him, He will be found by you." Amen.
3: Let's pray. Lord, our God and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these two uh, of your daughters that are standing here this morning as trophies of your grace. Lord, we thank you for the, the uh, journey you've brought them through to bring them to this point in their lives where they can profess their faith uh, in you. And Lord, we just acknowledge the, the many trials that, that Dee has faced over the last years and that you've given her healing, that you've brought her to this point in her life where she can stand before us. Lord, we just thank you for your grace and mercy. But above all, Lord, we, we just thank you for the healing that you've given to Steph and to Dee in healing their souls and, and uh, adopting them into your family and they could be called the children of the living God. Lord, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks, ladies. You can be seated. We're going to stand and sing our membership song, which is the Church's One Foundation. We have the opportunity to come to the Lord today with our needs. So let's come before him
2: in a time of congregational prayer. Let's pray. Do we have any children that would like to
0: come to the front today? Oh, there's heaps of seats down there, then, guys. Squeeze in. Well children who likes birthdays? Yeah what's great about birthdays? Yeah yeah presents? presents that's right what else is good about birthdays? Eating cake, Eating cake. that's right birthdays are great day and you get that cake that's covered in like <laughs> 50 liters of sugar and food coloring and then you bounce off the walls what do you, do you like birthdays? Your birthdays are great, eh? Birthdays are awesome. Your presents, presents are beautiful, you know? And you know what your parents really love is when they give you a present and you open it up and you go, "Ah!" you get into it, you get the present, you go, oh, and then chuck it over there and then get the next one. Your parents love it when you do that, eh? No? What would your parents like you to do? Yeah. That's right. You'd be really happy that they gave you something. Say what? That's right. Say thank you. That would be a good idea, eh? Run up and give them a big hug and be like, oh, thank you so much for my new socks, Nana. I love new socks. And you give her a big hug. Oh, thank you so much. Socks are my favorite. She even put little buttons on the toes. She knows you want to wear them with your sandals, you know, and your favorite color, lilac. Not that I know what lilac is, but (laughs) lilac, and yes, and you put these socks on, and you run up, and you give her a big hug, and even if you don't really like the socks, you say, thank you so much. It's amazing. You see, you've been blessed with something, haven't you? And so you want to show thanks. You want to show appreciation. You're not going to worship her because, you know, she's a person, but when God gives us good gifts, what should we do to him? What do you reckon? Yep. Same thing, that's right. We can thank Him, we can show Him our appreciation, and we can worship Him. And in our passage today, we're going to be looking at the amazing things, some of the amazing things that God has done for us. And we're going to think about how that might help us to worship Him and love Him all the more, because we have been blessed so much by our God and by our Father and so let's, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us do that because sometimes we can forget what he's done for us. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you've blessed us with so many different things. And we ask that you'd help us never to forget but to come back to you over and over and over again and to show, us, to show you our gratitude. Lord, we think of those 10 men that Jesus healed and only one came back to thank him. And we pray that you'd make us like that one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing, It's Your Blood That Cleanses Me, and then you can find your worksheets. Let's stand. standing we're going to dedicate the offering to the lord so let's just bow our head in prayer father in heaven we thank you so much that you bless us with so much and lord as we bring back to you just a portion of what we recognize is already yours we ask that you would receive it from our hands and that you would use it for the sake of the kingdom of god and for your glory help us to have cheerful hearts and to give by faith and trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're turning through to the little letter of Titus. little letter of Titus. For the sake of our visitors, we've been working our way through the book over the last few months, just doing a very slow meander through the book. We find ourselves drawing towards the end, chapter 3. Uh, the, the other brothers will finish the book off while I'm on holiday. And Lord willing, I'm thinking at this stage we'll turn to a gospel after this and do a fast walk through a maybe gospel Luke or something like that. But pray that the Lord would lead us to the right place. But we're turning through to Titus chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse uh, verse 5. 6 and 7 of chapter 3. But let's read through from verse 1 to 11. This is God's holy and inerrant word for you today. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word to us. And before we come to consider it, let us bow our heads and have a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have spoken through your Son and we have heard his voice. And we pray now, Lord, that as we come to consider the word of God that you would speak again through your Son, by your Spirit, to our ears. We pray that like the churches in Asia, that we would see Christ publicly portrayed as crucified in our midst, that, Lord, we might behold the glorious blessings that you have bestowed upon us and that we might be lifted up to worship. Help us to see and hear, Lord, for without your Holy Spirit illuminating the word, we will be left dry and barren. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me just point you to our text. We're picking up at verse 5 from halfway through the verse at by the washing. So he saved us and then by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I was all but finished preparing my sermon, but I wasn't quite sure how to introduce it. You know, this happens sometimes, you sort of end up with the whole sermon, but you don't know how to start. And, and then I took a break and I listened to a sermon by someone on the, on the application or the benefits of the five points of Calvinism. And, and one of the things he talked about was the fact that as Reformed individuals, we love theology. We love correctness. We love precision. We love the five points. And we love trying to talk to other people and convince them of the truth. And all of these things are good. But if all of these things are the end of our theology, we've completely missed the point. And he drove home one note through this whole sermon over and over and over again. Doctrine must always lead to doxology. Doctrine must always lead to doxology. That's why it exists. We have doctrine so that we would be drawn into the majesty of God and worship Him, be overwhelmed by His goodness, His love, His grace, His mercy. But so often we are tempted to allow our theological precision to become an end in and of itself. It's not that theological precision doesn't matter. I love theological precision. But if that becomes the end in and of itself, we are no better than the Pharisees. Who Jesus said, you search the word thinking you will find life in it. But what did they miss? That I am the life, Jesus said. You miss me. And we can fall into that temptation. And so what I want us to do today is to simply look at the glory of what God has bestowed upon us. That, that Lord willing, by His grace, we might be able to taste something of the majesty of God. That we might be lifted up beyond this room, beyond these earthly things. That we might behold God in His glory through the glorious things He's given us. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to see three glorious blessings from our triune God. And I just want to note quickly, did you notice how thoroughly Trinitarian this passage was? It doesn't say the name of Father. But observe that Paul is talking about the Father, and he says, When the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He, being God the Father, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ. Observe the Trinitarian nature of this. Salvation is totally a work of the triune God. And so our praise ought to always be directed towards a triune God. We can never be too Trinitarian, brothers and sisters. We can never talk too much or think too much about the Trinity. The Trinity is the highest and most glorious doctrine that we can lay our eyes upon. And when we ponder it, it should lead us to the most worship, the most praise, the most thanksgiving. Let us see what this triune God bestows upon us. I want us to look at three simple things. He bestows upon us regeneration, justification and adoption three glorious deep and yet simple truths so firstly he bestows upon us regeneration the apostle paul says by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit whom he poured out on us richly through jesus christ our savior Now, some authors would argue that washing of regeneration is a reference to baptism, but that the way the Greek is is structured, it, it seems to point in the direction of the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit to be two ways of stating the same thing, speaking about the renewing of man, speaking about one of the profoundest changes that ever takes place on the face of the planet. You know, they've got those cheesy TV shows Where maybe you like them and they're not cheesy for you, but you know what I mean—the cheesy TV shows where they do a makeover of a person or a house or something, and then they have the big reveal. Oh, everyone's very excited. Far more marvelous than that. Martin, man, my brain. One author said, (laughs) forgotten who, as the ride to the Hebrews would say. A author once said, "There is no profounder change in the universe." Than the change which is described as regeneration. Lloyd Jones, there we go, Lloyd Jones said that. Stephen Charnock would say, Regeneration is a universal change of the whole man. It is as large in renewing as sin was in defacing. Remember last week, Sunday morning, when we looked at the horrible depravity of our nature? And how thoroughly it works its way out in every single part of us. Chanock says that however big that was, regeneration is greater. It's more glorious. It's more
2: spectacular.
0: It's more thoroughly worked out than the sin in the depths of your heart. So why is it necessary? Why is... Why do I need to be regenerated? Why do I need to be renewed, as Paul says? Well, let me remind you of verse 3 that we looked at last week. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. We, We were like Joshua in the book of Zechariah. Remember in Zechariah, Zechariah sees a vision of Joshua the high priest. And he's standing before the judgment seat of God. And the high priest always had to have what? Clean clothes, right? He wasn't allowed to have unclean clothes. He had to wash at the entrance of the temple and put on his priestly robes before coming into the temple. But there he stood in filthy garments, we're told. And Satan stood beside him, accusing him, rightly so, because he was standing before God in a godless way in a way that was worthy of judgment. And there he stood in his filthy garments. That's you and I, brothers and sisters. We are by nature unclean. We are by nature dead, spiritually blind, and we cannot and will not and do not want to turn to God and live. There is nothing inside of us that has any inclination. There is no one upon the face of the planet that wakes up one morning and thinks to themselves, in and of themselves, you know what, I really feel like believing in Jesus today. No, because everyone hates God. That is our state. And and so it's necessary because before God, we are utterly unclean and we cannot Turn to him. And so what does God do? He regenerates us. He makes us new. He gives us a new birth, as John would call it in John 3. He causes us to be born again, as Peter would say, to a living hope. You see, it's not enough for us to have a patch job. I mean, we do that on our old cars, right? A bit of bog, a bit of paint, she'll be right. But as as John Chrysostom would point out, out, if your house's foundation is ruined and all of the main struts and joists and beams and everything are corroded, you cannot just come along and do a fix-up, can you? No one does. No, they flatten the whole thing and they rebuild the foundation and they rebuild the home. And he says, oh, so much more with us who were dead. And decrepit and blind he doesn't come along and get out the paper and start sanding us he rebuilds us new he breathes life into us he does what he did to Lazarus come forth and the dead come to life that's what regeneration is brothers and sisters And he does it by pouring out a spirit upon us, doesn't he? That's what Paul says here. Have a look at verse 5. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. We, we haven't forgotten how blind the disciples were, have we? I mean, they were just... I mean, we think to ourselves, three years, Peter how can you be so clueless after three years with Jesus? Like, how can you still not, how are you denying him? Like, or he's like, Jesus is going, hey, take up your cross and follow me. You know, there's gonna be suffering. There's gonna be affliction. And Peter's like, don't worry, Jesus, I've got this. I, you know, all those guys, they're all gonna abandon you, but not me. I've got this thing nailed. I'm following you to the end of my days. I will die with you. Five minutes later, right, he's like, oh, I don't know Jesus. I don't know anything about this guy. He's calling down oaths and he's swearing on himself. He's like, never heard of the guy. Jesus Nazareth, I don't even know there's a town by that name. I don't even know what you're talking about. Why? Because he has not received the Holy Spirit. But what happens to Peter after Pentecost? After the Spirit is poured out upon him, he stands up in front of everyone and preaches Christ. One of the most glorious sermons recorded in the Bible. He gets beaten, arrested, put in prison, and eventually crucified upside down for Christ. Because the Spirit of God has been poured out upon him. And it's not just something he did at Pentecost, is it? That that was a typological, very significant event, but it pointed to a reality that happens to every single one of us. When regeneration happens, what happens is God comes along and he pours the Holy Spirit into the heart of an individual. I was struck when I was thinking about this as I remembered the words of Whitfield, who said, God showed me that I must be born again or be damned. I learned that a man may go to church, say his prayers, receive the sacrament, and yet not be a Christian. How did my heart rise and shudder like a poor man that is afraid to look into his account books, lest he should find himself bankrupt? Do you feel that, brothers and sisters? I addressed the God of heaven and earth and said, Lord, if I am not a Christian or if I am not a real one, for Christ's sake, show me what Christianity is that I might not be damned at last. And God soon showed me a ray of divine light that was instantaneously darted upon my soul. And from that moment, but not till then, did I know that I must become a new creature, and he does it. We've seen it evidenced here today, haven't we? That God pours out a spirit into the hearts of men and women and makes them alive. And we are the living testimonies, are we not? That God gives grace by his spirit. Westminster Confession summarizes it this way. It says, God is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God taking away the heart of stone and giving unto them a heart of flesh. Let me point you to four simple applications. Firstly, if you're an unbeliever here today, you have one hope. And that is that Christ would give you a new heart. Cry out to God. Like Whitfield, and say, make me new. Make me a new creation. Make me a new creature. And if you're a believer here today, if you're a believer here today, don't return to your filth. You know, like the proverb like a dog to its vomit, the fool returns to its folly. You've been cleaned, you've been washed, you've been made new. Don't return to the mire from which you came. Thirdly, give glory to God. Did you make yourself alive? We can't raise ourselves. I buried Edna yesterday. She can't make herself alive again. One day God will, but she cannot make herself alive. So give praise to God if you are alive today because it's by His grace that it took place. And fourthly, pray. Brothers and sisters, fall upon your knees because we cannot save anyone. This is why we're having a week of prayer, brothers and sisters. This is why we have prayer meetings. Because we can't save anyone. We can't do anything. We are helpless unless God is pleased to work. The only way anyone's getting saved, the only way we're getting any more baptisms is if God moves. And so we must be upon our knees every day pleading with God to work and move in our midst. Do you have loved ones that you want to be saved? Do you have friends? Do you have work colleagues? Yes, share the gospel with them. Yes, give them tracks. Yes, give them the word. But pray. God delights not in the death of the wicked. So firstly, God does this glorious work of regeneration and we are living testimonies of it. But secondly, God does the work of justification. The Father justifies. Have a look at verse 7. So that being justified, being declared righteous, it's passive, God the Father, declaring us righteous in Jesus Christ. Martin Luther, well, tradition says I don't know if he actually said it. I couldn't find the actual quote, but it's said that Martin Luther once said to his congregation, "I have preached justific- justification by faith so often, and I feel sometimes that you are so slow to receive it that I could almost take the Bible and bang it about your heads." The It's the theme of every gospel preacher, isn't it? We love to talk about it. Reformation weekend, and we love to talk about being justified by faith and that God declares us as righteous. It's a glorious theme, right? It's a theme written upon our hearts. Who doesn't love to think about the righteousness of Christ accredited to their account? That in spite of all of our brokenness, in spite of all of our wickedness, would count us as righteous why that's simple right it's like we saw last week Spurgeon said the reason we can't save ourselves by works is because we don't have any the reason he had to justify us and declare us righteous was because we were unrighteous we weren't just a little bit wrong we were totally thoroughly and completely bankrupt spiritually We had nothing to give him. We had nothing to credit. Because even the good things we did were tainted by our sin, as we saw last Sunday night. Even when we try and do what's right, we do it for wrong motives. Don't you find this? You think to yourself, I'm going to try and be really humble. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to be humble? And about a day later, you think to yourself, well, I'm starting to be really humble. And then you go, oh, that's right, I'm not humble anymore. Ah, it happened again. You think to yourself, oh, I'm going to make sure I I give things away and I won't let anyone find out. I won't let anyone know. And then casually you slip it into a conversation somewhere. Everything we do is tainted by sin. We are morally and spiritually bankrupt. But Romans 5 tells us that though sin came through one man, righteousness... And salvation came through Jesus Christ. We have been justified. We have been made righteous, declared righteous. And so when the Shorter Catechism asks the question, what's justification? It says, It is an act of God's free grace wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Or as Calvin would say, being justified doesn't mean possessing some sort of righteousness of your own. It is God seeing a person as righteous, even though he's not. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Because we all feel our unrighteousness, right? But God says, I see you and declare you as righteous though you are not. Brothers and sisters, we are full of sin. And yet God grants us to share in the righteousness of His one and only Son made perfect in him. You see, it's in union with him so that when he sees you and I, he sees the one we're joined to. Much like you don't, you don't so much love your husband's favorite sweater as much as you love the one who wears it, right? Right? And so he loves us, and he makes us righteous because of Christ. It's a glorious blessing. And so if you're an unbeliever, you've got to ask yourself the question, what am I going to do with my guilt? I mean, we all feel guilty, right? All of our consciences get convicted. All of us know right and wrong. makes no difference if you grew up in a church or not. Every single one of us knows deep down we're guilty of something. Even if we think we're the best person on the face of the planet, deep down we know that there's something broken inside of us. So what are you going to do with your guilt? I mean, one day you're going to have to answer for it. So what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do when you stand before the judgment seat of God with your guilt? Are you going to say, well, yeah, but I did some good things. I love my family. But you still have guilt. Your only hope is that someone would take your guilt away. So we're singing that song, Amazing Love Rise, rise and wash your guilt away. I sing that after the sermon. He invites you to. If you're a believer, though, let me encourage you don't burden yourself with your guilt. Don't burden yourself with your guilt. You don't have any. Paul says in Romans, now therefore there is no more condemnation. If there's no condemnation, why do you keep condemning yourself every morning because you don't think you're good enough? You know how it goes, right? I'm going to make sure I don't gossip today. And then you come to church and you gossip. And so then you heap guilt upon yourself. And you weigh yourself down with a burden bigger than the one that was on Christian's back in Pilgrim's Progress. Why do you do that? Lay it down at the cross. Christ's righteousness is upon you. There is no more condemnation. Be free. Silence the devil as well. remember... In Pilgrim's Progress, if you've read it, there's this moment where, where Christian is walking through the veil of the shadow of death. And as he walks through there, all of a sudden, blasphemous thoughts start coming into his head. And he begins to doubt his salvation. And he begins to loathe himself because he speaks and thinks, or at least he thinks he does, of, of God in a way that he never wanted to. And as he hears these blasphemous thoughts, Bunyan tells us that there was a, there was a devil behind him. Whispering them in his ear. This wasn't Bunyan at all. And so often the devil comes and he whispers in our ears, we must silence him. Say to him, Get behind me, devil, for I have the righteousness of Christ. When he says you're not worth loving, say, so Get behind me because I am loved in the beloved. And lastly, live in gratitude, brothers and sisters live in gratitude for you, have been blessed immensely in him. Yes, we have received regeneration and justification, but let's see one more. We have received adoption. You might say to yourself, where do you see adoption? Well, Paul says, being justified by his, by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Non-biological children don't receive an inheritance, right? I mean, you, you might really, really like your kid's best friend. Like, really like them. Maybe even more than your own children. No, I'm joking. But you might really, really like your children's friends. But they're not in your will, are they? But but what if look make it really easy and applicable here? Uh Jeanette and Steph live in one of the other person's house pretty much 24 7, okay? So they're either at my house or at the pup and Fuss's home, 24 7, they just bounce back and forth. Every once in a while we make them take a break. But let's imagine that all of a sudden Josella and I died. God forbid. But let's just imagine and the Pappenfuss family adopted Sinead. All of a sudden, she would become an inheritor of their will. She would be an heir. She would be treated with the same rights and privileges as every one of the Pappenfuss children. That's why I say the third blessing in this passage is adoption, because we are heirs of the hope of eternal life. Paul would say, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Why? Because we are children of God. Now, we love to talk about justification, don't we? I mean, we really love to talk about justification. You know, adoption, Packer said, Is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher even than justification. Do you know that? That your adoption is the greatest privilege that can ever be bestowed upon a person. I mean, it's one thing to be welcomed, right? It's one thing for God to pardon your sin and to welcome you into his kingdom as a citizen, it's something else completely. For God to say, I'm gonna make you my child, and all of my riches, all of my blessings, all of my inheritance, you will share in. You will be blessed with. I'm not talking just a little bit. God's riches are infinite, His blessings are eternal. He shares them between you and Christ. You think about that? You're a co heir with Christ. We're not just co heirs with one another. And then there's Jesus. We're co heirs with Christ. I mean, Christ's inheritance gets shared with you. Isn't that profound? Who am I to share in the blessings of Christ? I know they're infinite and therefore they're not limited, but still, what a blessing. To be made brother of Jesus. You can look up to Jesus and say, my brother. You can look at the father and say, my father. Remember those beautiful words in John 21 when, when Jesus is raised from the dead and Mary comes to him and she falls down at his feet and grabs hold of him and Jesus says, go and tell the disciples I am going to my father and your father. Just ignore the cat. My father, yes, there's a cat in the room. It happens all the time. We've all seen cats before, so we can just quietly ignore it and carry on. God is the creator of cats as well. My father and your father, he says. That's how Jesus views you. And so John Owen would say, adoption is the authoritative translation of a believer by Jesus Christ from the family of the world, the flesh, and the devil into the family of God with his investiture in all the privileges and advantages of that family. Brothers and sisters, there is a day coming in glory where one day someone will stand up I don't know who, someone will stand up and they will say, let us read the last will and testament of God before all of humanity and he will open it up and God will read forth, Logan Hargort receives my inheritance. And you and your name will be there in the Lamb's book of life if you're a believer today. And he will read your name out and say, this one is one of my children. He will inherit, she will inherit from me all of my blessings. And they don't just come then. They come today. He gathers you up in his arms. Do you remember what I said to the girls this morning? At baptism is a sign, a promise of your father's care, that he will tenderly take you in his arms and minister to you by his grace and treat you like a child. Don't you remember? Have you forgotten what it's like to hurt yourself and run into your parents' arms with all the brokenness? Or to gather your own children in your arms? Or if you never had a parent or a child to see someone else do it, Oh, you can run into your father's hands. You can cry out, Abba, Father. I heard the story of a minister who went to Israel to view the promised land. And as he was walking down the road one day, he heard from the background, Abba, Abba, Abba. Ever, and he turned around. We don't think about these things as being regular words, right? He turns around and he sees a little, five something-year-old child running behind his father. You know what it's like when dad's in a hurry and the kid's like getting dragged behind the kid by behind the dad, and the dad's like (laughs) off into the distance. Ever, 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 ever! And then all of a sudden, the dad stops and turns around and scoops this child up into his arms and holds him. And storms off and this child just has this beam in his face. That's us. We walk through life and we just cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. This is why Sinclair Ferguson would say, one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity is when a person learns to say, Father in heaven when they they no longer just prayed Dear God or dear Lord, though those things are true, but my father My Father Thomas Manton, the Puritan, said of adoption, in all other cases, if men have children of their own, They do not adopt. God had a son of his own in whom his soul found full delight and complacency, yet he would adopt and take us wretched creatures. He would invest us with the title of sons. And shall it be said of this believer, Here is the Son of God. Do you know that believers learn to call him father I, I know, look, I know I had a great dad, and some of you did not. I know that some of you didn 't have dads, some of you had mongrels for fathers. I know, and some of you really struggle with even the idea of thinking of God as Father because of the pain you have endured. Don't let a sinner steal the glorious gift of God to you. And you might say to me, but how can I do that? I don't feel that way. It doesn't start with feelings. It's about believing the promise of God and acting and trusting that God will bring feelings in the future to match reality. And so come to Him. Take the words of Christ in your lips. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Pray it every morning until you feel it. Pray it every day. Pray it every three hours Pray it at nine, prayed at 12, prayed at three, prayed it at six, prayed it at nine. Our Father, my Father who is in heaven, until you feel the reality of what God has given you. You know, for since the time of Abraham, God has been calling his people his children don't miss out on that blessing and if you're an unbeliever don't you want to be adopted by God I mean what a blessing I mean you, you might think it would be great to be adopted by Bill Gates he's pretty loaded but he's just got nothing on God right to receive the inheritance of God Brothers and sisters, our God has bestowed upon us such heavenly riches that we cannot even begin to fathom. From the Father, in the Son, by the Holy Spirit. Worship Him. That's the exhortation today. Praise Him. Adore Him. Bow down before Him. Remember the sacraments, remember the inheritances, remember the blessings and fall down and worship him today. Don't walk out of this place thinking to yourself, that was pretty ho-hum, it was pretty muggy and Logan spoke too long. Appreciate the glory of what Christ has done for you and worship Him. And may God grant us to have gloriously big visions of him as he's presented in the word that he might be glorified and magnified in all. Because to him belong all glory and honor, right? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an immense thing it is to consider the threefold blessing of God you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy o lord help us to taste it help us to see it Lord, would you give us affections that match the reality of what you've done? And if there are any here whose hearts are stone and cold, would you give them new life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing that song that I mentioned, my Lord, what love is this? Amazing love. Let's stand and sing, and then I'll ask you to remain standing for the Lord's blessing. Brothers and sisters, people of God, as you go forth into another day, do so with the blessing of God upon you. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and receive the blessing from Him. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and present you whole, soul and body blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. The peace of God, yes, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now thank we all our God.